everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Patient Convert Podcast. Justin not here. I'm really excited to have another fellow marketer and a fellow orthopedic marketer, Daniel Goldberg um, with Hopco. We have known each other for a while and couldn't be more excited about this conversation because of my passion for orthopedics and you as well, and even your background in the digital agency space. So Daniel, thank you for taking a little time out of your busy schedule. I know you've been flying around everywhere to join me on the podcast. Introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about what you do at Hopco and what y'all focus on. Yeah, absolutely. So again, very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. As you mentioned, I'm Daniel Goldberg. I'm the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Hopco. I've been with Hopco for about four years. Hopco specializes in both orthopedic physician practice management, value-based care, and hospital service line management as well. My role with Hopco is to develop and execute the marketing strategies for our physician practice partners across the country, uh, as well as our uh, hospital service lines. Prior to Hopco, I actually was the CEO and founder of one of the largest marketing agencies that focused solely on orthopedic spine and neurosurgery practices. So all told, I have about 12 or 13 years experience working with orthopedic practices all across the country. It's been an interesting and fun 12 or 13 years. So now that I'm at Hopco, I get to use some of the experience from the agency side and bring it into Hopco and our national MSK partners all across the country. Excellent. And for those maybe that are listening that are not familiar with Hopco, there's probably few out there. Y'all really are one of the titans in this space as far as MSO size, your reach across as many orthos. I mean, how many orthos do y'all have now kind of underneath your brand umbrellas? Yeah, around 15 orthopedic practices that Hopco's partnered with, and then about 10 orthopedic hospital service lines as well. So a little bit unique in the where we're doing the physician practice side, as well as the hospital MSK service line side as well. Excellent. That's fantastic. And so kind of moving into the marketing conversation specifically, you obviously get to really see this play out across 15 different brands, like you mentioned, which is really exciting. I want to specifically talk today about something that has been around for a couple of years. Healthcare typically lags a little bit in some of the marketing space, but programmatic display and how you guys are using this at Hopco across all of your brands to drive patients through the door and obviously talk about some of the privacy concerns as we go through this conversation that have come out and kind of the gray area that we're living in as marketers. But talk to me a little bit. I guess first introduce what programmatic is. I've talked some on the podcast, but I think it'd be helpful for the, the listeners because it's such a vague term. What is it? And then we can go into kind of how you're leveraging it and we're leveraging it in the orthopedic space from a marketing standpoint. Yes, yeah, so from a programmatic side, we've really invested a lot in what's called OTT advertising or over-the-top advertising, which is digital video advertising. As more and more people, as you know, have stopped using traditional cable services like you know Cox and Xfinity and some of the bigger cable companies, cut the cord and move to things like paid services through Hulu and Netflix and Amazon Prime. There's now the ability to, to target ads specifically based on behaviors and geography and demographics to patients, to those who might be in need of orthopedic care. Pretty much a different approach than, you know, five, six years ago, where if you bought airtime on the local ESPN affiliate or the local CBS affiliate or ABC affiliate, everyone in that market saw that commercial at this on the seven o'clock news, the five o'clock yeah. news. There was maybe one to 2% of people who actually found value in that commercial because they were in need or considering seeing an orthopedic surgeon. What we've been able to do now through data targeting and programmatics is look at the behaviors and some of the indications of those orthopedic patients and target 30 second or one minute digital video ads directly to them in their home as they're watching Hulu or Netflix or you know, Amazon Prime or Disney Plus, really addressable, really personalized and much more targeted and relevant 
to that person. So that's really where we focus a lot of our programmatic advertising. We've seen great success both in the outlets that we are, we're seeing the, the commercial streamed across, the engagement we're getting from it, the number of impressions, and really just how specific the, the geographic and demographic targeting has been. So very, we rolled that out about a year ago, and it, we've had seen a lot of success with all of our practices all across the country. Yeah, I love this space. And it really, to your point, has flipped that traditional kind of commercial TV advertising funnel on its head and made it so much more trackable. And on top of that, one of my favorite pieces is what you can do from an omni-channel standpoint. Because before it was hard to track as it was, it was really expensive. And now you have something that's not only more targeted, but talk to us kind of when I say omni-channel, what that looks like from y'all's end. So you've got somebody that sees a Hulu video-based ad while they're watching something on Hulu and streaming it. But there's so many more touch points along the journey now that you can weave into this to improve performance. Correct. So they may see that, that commercial to your point on Hulu. They might see a 30-second spot. But then when they go to Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, they're going to continue to see that video across different platforms and even across different devices. So they might be watching TV on their connected TV at home. But when they go you know, into their bedroom later at night, they're watching YouTube on their tablet. They're going to see that same spot because they're data profile falls into the same category and is connected to all their devices. So from an omni-channel perspective, we're not just relying on one single point of contact or one single outlet for that 30-second spot. We're applying across Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Hulu, all the different connected devices and means of video that people are consuming. So we, we get a few different bites of the apple as opposed to just one shot that we had, you know, hoping that someone was watching Jeopardy at 7 p.m. and we paid yeah. yep. $100 that spot every day, hoping that that was the right audience. Absolutely. And that's really what it's all about and what it's been moving toward over the years. And again, I think healthcare's lagged a little, but it's got to be omni-channel or it's just not going to be effective nowadays. And what we've even seen on our side is, while it can be a little bit difficult to correlate, and we can talk some to how the con conversion tracking works um, from a geofencing perspective, I'd lo love to hear your take on that. But what we see from a search ad performance improvement too is it's it really works in such great harmony because if you think about it from the patient journey standpoint for the listeners out there is if you see a video ad, most of the time is not clickable. You can put QR codes on it. You can do some mechanisms, some static phone number, call tracking, those types of things. But a lot of times it's not, especially if it's an ortho urgent care it's not going to be an immediate need action. Like you probably didn't sprain your MCL while you're watching Hulu, unless you're jumping on the couch and playing Wii. And then you have to stay top of mind. So what ends up happening is you plant the seed and then they'll go to search and they'll convert. And that's why I love it is you can just really pour gasoline on your search ad performance in tandem with all of that. And to follow up on it, explain to the listeners a little bit one of the most powerful things about the programmatic side is the ability to track down to the visit, which like you mentioned in the commercial side, you're spending a ton of money and it's always like a, we feel busier type feedback from the front desk. So talk to the listener about how the geofencing track back in terms of OTT and leveraging programmatic works in this instance. Yeah. So there are certain platforms. There's a variety of OTT platforms. Some of them have what's called cross device tracking. So they can track the device associated with the viewer who saw that spot or saw that commercial and then a visit to the corresponding website. So they know that, you know, Mary Smith, who saw the commercial on Hulu yesterday at 7 p.m., also 7 a.m. the next morning from her phone or tablet or, or even home computer 
went to the website of that practice. So there are definitely platforms that can do that. But one of the other things you mentioned too, that it really helps us is when we look at brand match search. So to your point, you know, especially in the instance of ortho urgent care, which we have a few and we, we use OTT for this, it's more of a brand awareness top of mind thing that if, when you need this, this is where you should go. So we're looking at, you know, what was the brand match search, you know, before we rolled out these OTT ads, how much traffic was coming from brand match search. And then later on, you know, 30, 60, 90 days later, are we seeing an uptick in that brand match traffic? So instead of searching, you know, from a brand match perspective, instead of searching orthopedic urgent care near me, you're searching that orthopedic urgent care that you saw on those OTT ads by name. And from an analytics perspective, that's the growth we're looking for to say, look, this is truly working. It's similar in the sense of what, how we historically have measured things like out of home and billboards and print, right? It was always difficult to measure those. So you're creating brand awareness, I say top of mind, but the real challenge was, okay, how many people came to us from a billboard ad or how many people came to us from a print ad? Between the brand match search and the cross device tracking capabilities that some of the platforms have, we can really drill down on what the ROI is, the cost per acquisition, and then some of the, the revenue generated from those campaigns. Yeah, which is the holy grail in, in medical marketing and something that's always being chased. And that's why I love the programmatic side so much. Let's talk about investing in, because all of this is really predicated on, and, and when I'm talking to private ortho groups and they're kind of looking at their marketing strategy as a whole, there's still such a strong resistance to investing in video assets. And there is obviously, uh, can be a sticker shock cost behind it, but everything here that we're talking about foundationally is vested in you having really strong commercial-based assets. And obviously that's something that y'all are heavily invested in. So. I'd love to hear from you because it's something I talk to groups all the time is why it makes both from an ROI and just an investment standpoint, total sense to go the route of getting video assets put together that you can use for all the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. So I think that video sort of has two components to it, right? So the OTT side that we were talking about, we're using those videos for omnichannel marketing. Yep. There may be the need to invest if you have a marketing agency that has video resources, investing in that resource. If you are, have an internal team who doesn't have those capabilities, maybe looking at a local professional vendor to do those high quality videos, mm -hmm. roll all those different things that you're going to use those omnichannel marketing things. But you know, you and I have talked about, and you have the Capture MV program, which is really where a physician can sit down, get in front of an iPhone or computer and record a video in 90 seconds where they can really make an impact on a patient. You know, a patient's first interaction with a physician used to be the first time they saw that position. Mm -hmm. Now it's the first time they see their videos. They're gonna learn your tone, your cadence, you know, the way you speak, where you're from, you know, your treatment philosophies, all these different things during the process where they're deciding if they want to see you or not. Those practices and those, those physicians who have high quality video and have those, you know, one-to-one -one videos where they're addressing patients, talking about outcomes, treatment philosophies, they have a significant advantage over those who don't. So where maybe on, on the high end, you need to invest in a professional vendor for those drone shots and that B-roll, that stuff that you're going to use for that OTT. There are platforms like the video platform that Intrepid has that we've utilized that is great for a physician to sit down with not for 90 seconds on a phone and be able to pump out 10, 15 videos that can all then be used on their website, on YouTube, on social media that has, again, an omni-channel use just like OTT does, but for nearly a fraction of the cost. I couldn't agree more. And like you said, it really, you need all of those things. You need the professional level stuff, but you need 
the more grassroots, because that is really what it is. Just like it was before the rise of all of the stuff that we're using nowadays to reach patients. It's about personal touch. It's about connecting a physician and building the no like, and trust relationship way earlier on than you used to. And you need physicians and their storytelling and because they're an artist at the end of the day, presenting those types of pieces and then weave some patient testimonials. Because again, it's all about putting the patient in the shoes of what it's going to be like during the care experience. And that's, it's really what it's all about. You know, a lot of, especially within the sports medicine side, a lot of physicians want to be subject matter experts. There are no short injuries, orthopedic injuries that occur during the NFL, NBA, NBA season where a high profile athlete gets injured. The amount of time and energy it takes to, to use the program that Entropy has to get on camera for 90 seconds, explain, you know, what an MCL or ACL tear is, explain the rehab profile, explain the, the different treatment options, and then be able to put that video out the same day within hours of the, that athlete's injuries. You are now the subject matter expert. You're the one commenting. You're the one who patients in your market go to as a resource to say, this physician is really the expert in sports medicine. So if my 18-year-old son or, or my, you know, 35-year-old husband has a sports injury, this is the person to go to. There's so much value in the ability to create videos so quickly and so instantly, but with such high quality that I think the investment from a time and financial perspective makes complete sense. The sports medicine is perfect because you always, every time you talk to a sports medicine guy or gal, that's typically it is in my area, I want the high school athletes coming to me or even earlier in like middle school. But it's you're really talking to two sides from a decision-making process and video is the best way to do it is you're trying to not only get in front of these athletes, but it's the parents that are concerned with either the athletic future or just the overall health of their teen athlete. And there's no better conduit to do that. And if you just as a physician are willing to commit and invest to just talking about what you do day in and day out and how you get help athletes get back on the field, that's the way that you're going to make an impact in your local community and become the go-to sports medicine physician. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, look, I, there are always going to be value in in written content, right? For SEO purposes. And there's oh, yeah. always value in written content. I don't think any website will ever be completely video or ha not have written content, right? There are search engine implications in having well-written SEO content. But from a consumer perspective, 70% of people would rather watch a video mm -hmm. than read, right? If you give the option oh, yeah. to read 500 or 600 words or watch a 90-second video, I'm going to watch a 90-second video. It takes far less time to create that 90 second video that it does to write that six or 700 word blog. So just from, you know, a, a content marketing perspective, whether you have a content marketing team in house or you, you know, your docs are writing the, the blogs and content video again, like with capture MD is so much easier than having to sit down, write that blog, and then hopefully, you know, wait for Google to crawl the site and actually have it rank where that video is instantaneous, goes right on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on your website. It, again, it's it's so much more valuable from a consumer preference perspective. I'd be curious, we were actually having an internal discussion with the ads department about a large orthopedic group around, because Performance Max is like the, all the rage now. And for a good reason, if you are an e-commerce business, you're an auto dealer or somewhere where you can obviously push all of that customer data back in without the worry of PHI and all this stuff then you really can leverage a lot of the AI that Google Ads has been developing to optimize for that next conversion. We're handcuffed. We can't do that, obviously, in this space. So there's a lot of debate around, do you optimize for performance max when it's difficult to push granular-based conversions? Because you just, like you just mentioned, have a general conversion tag. 
or do you optimize for clicks, especially in an event like an ortho urgent care? So I'd be curious what your thought is on this, because we kind of lose out on a lot of the power of performance max with what's going on right now. Yeah. So in the ortho urgent care situation, again, it's usually optimized for clicks because people are searching things like knee pain treatment or knee pain doctor, mm -hmm. right? That's to us, us to say, look, they're not lo looking for a condition or symptom or surgery specific keyword, right? They're looking for a treatment or a provider and an ortho urgent care is perfect for that. We want to maximize clicks and then see the walk-in traffic and conversions from that. When it's more specific, when it's things like, you know, a complex medical term, when they're Googling, you know, spondylolis thesis, right? Or they're Googling a decorabing tensivitosis. Those are typically things that are research oriented, right? They may have diagnosis from another provider. They may have, you know, WebMD, their, their symptoms, and now they're looking up what that is. They're not typically the, the terms and conditions a potential patient would research. So we're saying, look, let's optimize that for a conversion, right? That's not necessarily an indicator of someone seeking yep. treatment. They're just doing research. But if they search best spine surgeon near me, then I'm saying, okay, that is the indication they're actually looking for treatment yep. as opposed to just doing research. So there's a different strategy for both, but we can usually tell there's commonly about 30 to 40 condition or treatment specific terms that patients are familiar with. So ACL tear, rotator cuff tear, sciatica, herniated disc. When they're looking for those things and they follow it with a provider or treatment keyword after, so herniated disc doctor or herniated disc treatment, herniated disc specialist near me, that's where we're saying, okay, let's optimize those for conversions because we yeah. know that they're ready to take that next step into, into seeing a provider. I love it. I think all the points you just hit on is there's not enough marketers that use common sense. And I think that's a huge thing. If you, I think the same thing goes for SEO, which is kind of was my first love when I got into marketing. And I think people fight against what you just talked about way too much. Like when you look at Google's rank brain and you look at treatments and conditions and understand what is the search intent behind it and how does Google understand it as such, and then go those routes. Like people too often try to jam a square peg in a round hole by whether it's SEO optimization and either building a treatment page when it's clearly a blog article that's going to be presented back or it's a Google business profile that's going to win. And the same thing goes for ads is understand what is the intent behind these searches and what is the likely outcome event and then optimize your campaigns for exactly what you just mentioned, which I, I just love. I think that's the right way to go about it. Yeah, I think you and I have both seen our professional careers campaigns from agencies who are not, I mean, not only not orthopedic specific, but are not healthcare specific. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you look through, you know, the campaigns they had or the reports they had, and it's like they took a glossary of orthopedic terms. They mm -hmm. put them, if someone searches this, show or show them our ad. Now that drives your cost per acquisition through the roof because one out of every fifty searches is actually one that's treatment oriented. Your cost per acquisition is astronomically high, so now the revenue generated from that new patient is diminished because it, instead of your cost per acquisition for new patient being seventeen dollars, it's one hundred and seventy dollars. That $170 comes off the top of, of the revenue you derive from that new patient. So I think you and I have seen like, you're oh, spending yeah. $1,000 a month, maybe 3% of the clicks you got were actually relevant. The rest were just research oriented, but the agency or the company is just showing you, look how many clicks and impressions we got. But the value of them and the conversion rate and the cost per conversion is the thing that people should truly be focused in on because, you know, practices have different budgets. They, some spend $2,000 a month on PPC, some spend 20000 The conversion rate and cost are the things that really matter the most. And those things are determined by how good, number one, the, the keyword search targeting is, 
or two, how good the ad copy is, and then the landing page, and then the conversion tracking. Those are the things that I think orthopedic practice should be looking at, not just how many clicks can we get. Yeah. Uh, the, the other good one too, is when you go in and audit an account and it's like, they're getting $2 and 50 cent cost per lead. It's like, well, it's all branded search terms. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you won your name. <laughs> your doctor so-and-so it's like, yeah, every time someone Googles me, I come up with like, yeah. you don't come up and Google my business listing. You come oh, up and yeah, you want to win that one. <laughs> right. You fall like that, pay $3 for your own name. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's excellent. What do you think is What's the future look like? I mean, over the next six to 12 months, I mean, we've got all of this stuff that we've talked about the, I think the progression to in programmatic, but the HHS concerns, what do you see the the landscape sitting here this time next year or end of next year for 2024 looking like? I think that the continued push will be towards video, right? I think every social media platform has optimized themselves for video. YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. And then with some of the programmatic OTT stuff we have, with you know people not using traditional cable, Netflix now having a package that include a lower price package that includes commercials. Yep. Every streaming platform having at least you know sixty to ninety seconds of commercials. That is all opportunity for you to get your practice in front of a potential patient. So I think video is going to continue to be the most important thing we we have right now as as marketers. I think there's always going to be value in in high quality SEO and then also you know great PPC search campaigns. I think if you can focus on those two things first, really perfect those two things first, the next logical step is an investment in video to help promote your, not only your brand, but your practice as well. I think that's where the future is going. Talk to me about two, I'd love to get an idea of, for the listeners out there, ortho group, they're trying to ramp up their marketing. In some of these things that we've talked about, whether it's search ads or programmatic, give give us a little bit of a sense of what should benchmarking look like? Like what is a good cost per lead on a, a joint versus an urgent care with all the data that you've been able to see to kind of give them an idea of when I'm looking at these KPIs or these things that are presented to me, am I even in the realm of of good or headed in the right direction? Yeah. So across our, our practices nationally, our cost per acquisition for in terms of just PPC is about 15 to $17 per new patient. Love it. Now, as I think your wife is the expert in this, there's demographic functions that are involved in that too. When we talk about a lot of those patients who are 60 plus grew up having a relationship with their primary care provider or their family medicine doctor. Mm -hmm. When they are, you know, in need of a joint replacement or they have, you know, hip or knee arthritis, they're still going to go to their primary care physician who will then refer them to an orthopedic orthopedic Mm practice. You and I love doing, there's always going to be value in a well-built position liaison program. It can't Absolutely. be understated. Yeah, well, I completely agree. Yeah, the older population who is, you know, 60 plus, but also in rural populations where the primary care physician is the go-to for everything. Yeah. Their, their next point might be a practice, you know, 30, 40 miles away. You know, that's where that primary care family medicine doctor is going to dictate those referrals. So that's always going to have value. But separate from that, that those practices who have, do not have a liaison program should talk to your wife, Kelly, about one, because we all know she can build them quite well. But then when you're looking to ramp up your marketing, it's what are the things we've done historically that we've done well? What have we not done well? And is there a certain type of patient that has more value for us? Do we have more, does our sports medicine service line need growth? Does our joint replacement service line need growth? Did we just bring on new spine surgeons? Things like that, where you need to figure out which number one drives the most revenue, two, which is the best entry point into the practice, what's the best feeder into the practice. Whether that's, you know, interventional spine, physiatry, PM&R, those are good ways to 
bring new patients into practice. Sports medicine is the same as well. Non-operative sports medicine doctors are a great way to, to, to bring new patients into practice. Having ortho urgent care that we like we've talked about where you know patients come in simply for diagnosis and treatment. They may never be seen again. They may get a cast or a brace and never be seen again. But they also might have cartilage or ligament damage where they need to be then sent to a, a true specialist within the practice. You have to figure out what kind of practice you have and what kind of practice you want to build. Then you have to figure out what is the capacity for us on an operational level to build. So I think a lot of times practices say, look, we need to grow our practice by 25%. But they don't have the operational infrastructure to do that, right? So if the phone rings more, there's yep. still the same number of people who have mm -hmm. to answer. Yeah. The only difference now is you're paying or you're investing in growing those leads. When the phone rings, you've already paid for that lead. If you don't answer it, right, not only do you lose the, the cost for the lead, you also lost the potential for downstream revenue as well. So operational infrastructure is probably the first thing you should look at before marketing. And you and I know from doing this, the practices who are most invested and most, not only financially invested, but most invested from an operational, from a, a contact center, from a sort of larger institutional level are the ones that are the most successful, right? They're the ones who always do the best. When yep. you when you have an ability to talk to someone in the front office or an operations manager, a clinic manager, the scheduling manager, when you have that opportunity, you get real-time feedback into, look, the phone rings every day on Monday, nonstop, and we only have 10 people to answer it. Well, you, Justin, as a responsible marketer, would say, okay, let's pull back some of the spend. Mm -hmm. want the phone to go unanswered and then to call somebody else. Yep. So it's the operational touch points that you have that make you that much more successful. Fortunately, yeah. Yeah. we have those operational touch points with all of our partner practices. We have real-time data, real-time reporting on all those things so we can monitor all that stuff. But that doesn't mean that an agency can't do that as well. It's just that the agency, and you and I have had this discussion, sort of need to know to do that, right? You need to know that it's more than just marketing. Yeah, and, there, and you'll also see... I think some groups that in theory, they, they say they have an appetite for growth and wanting to open new locations, bring on specialists, but are so resistant to change, either adapting to bring on new operational people to invest in the right things to be able to handle that growth. Or anytime you pitch them the growth idea, there's this huge resistance of going in the right direction. And, and I mean, you just, you got to invest. I couldn't agree more. You have to do the right things. You got to invest in the operational side and you also need to invest in which is something you and I have talked a lot about in the private practice setting is you need to, you still need to have an anchor point from a marketing department standpoint in-house. And I think that's pretty constant among the ones that I'd say are A plus type clients for us is they've got somebody, they've been willing their board and their operations team to invest in putting people in the right seats on the bus from a marketing standpoint. And they may not be able to do it all. Oftentimes they can't. And so they'll bring in people like us to support that. But if you're not doing that, then to me, it can be a sign of they're just not ready to do those things yet. They may be eventually, but they're not there yet. Look, I think that there are roles that are always going to be local to the practice, right? When, yeah. when And there should on, be. When we bring on liaisons, when we start a liaison program, those live locally, they're from the area, they, they've been in that area for several years, they know the market. But even not something as simple as like social media, right? You know, having a local, we're based in Phoenix, our practices are all over the country, right? So my ability or our team's ability to fly out every Friday night to take a photo on the sidelines of the yeah. Yeah. high school football game that the doc is covering is a bit limited. Totally if, unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If someone locally understands that they have a you know mm -hmm. social media manager or marketing manager or marketing leader locally who can do that, 
that content is so valuable on, on Facebook and Instagram because it shows your investment in your own community. Those things alone, right, to, to keep your marketing feeling like it's local, that you're still invested in the community, you're still invested in the patients you treat, that is truly what has a true impact on patients and it's what patients want to see. That photo on the sideline of, you know, the high school football game where your docs are covering the team is probably equally or more valuable than the blog post of the three signs of a meniscus tear, right? Like they have equal sure. value because one is informative, but one is local and shows that you, you really do care about the community. So to your point, the ones that have, have made that investment operationally or marketing in high quality leaders in market are the ones that are always going to do the best. Love it. Completely agree. And last question is around self-pay. Obviously, everybody knows insurance is kind of a mess now and deductibles are sky high and there's a lot more self-pay incentive for patients to either negotiate a cash rate or just go straight through that kind of productized e-commerce route. And we're seeing that grow a lot on the orthopedic side and have a new avenue of marketing to be able to, to go out and reach patients that are looking for an option like that. What are you, are you seeing any trends on the Hopco side in terms of self-pay growing in your organization and utilizing any of that from a marketing standpoint? Some of our, our practices had existing or have grown some self-pay programs that they have. Mm -hmm. Self-pay from a console perspective or, or going to see a physician as self-pay is pretty simple. It's the surgical part of it that there needs to be a global consideration for that. So you may charge, let's say, you know, for an ACL repair, your cost as a physician might be $5,000. Yep. You have to factor in the anesthesia cost, the facility cost, the rehab cost, right? Mm -hmm. Those things are, are the things that should really go into that bundled price of, look, your, not your procedure, your episode of care is going to cost mm -hmm. this much on a cash. That's where, you know, you, I think there's a responsibility to say, once we operate, in most instances, you might need four to six weeks of PT. You mm -hmm. might need to stay two nights in a hospital if it's a joint or spine procedure. Those things are the things that should be clear in the, in the pricing of self-pay, not just necessarily the physician's fee for service. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense on the kind of the good faith estimate side of things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Daniel, I really appreciate it. It's always fun talking to somebody else that's in the space. I appreciate all the insights and everything. So before we wrap up, how can people get connected with you if they want to reach out and maybe connect with you on LinkedIn or something? Yeah, so you can just search Daniel Goldberg, again, Senior Vice President of Marketing at Hopco or just daniel.goldberg at hopco.com. Happy to talk to any marketing folks out there who have questions, comments, concerns, or, or you know, maybe just they want to join you for the next podcast because they have some insights as well. Yeah, bring it on. Well, we got to make this a regular thing. We can chase the orthopedic trends over exactly. the coming year, but I appreciate it again. Thanks for carving out some time and talking to us today. Thanks so much for having me, Justin. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, 
Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.